It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Friends, thank you so much for joining It Is Written. I am thrilled to once again have my friend, Dr. Tim Standish. Dr. Standish is a senior scientist with the Geoscience Research Institute. Dr. Standish, welcome to the program once again. So excited to have you here again. Well, thanks so much. It's good to be back. Now, Dr. Standish, you are a senior scientist with the Geoscience Research Institute. You are a, well, you're not a former professor, you still teach, but you were an associate professor of biology for both Andrews University in Michigan and Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska. You have a PhD in environmental biology and public policy, a master's of science in biology, a bachelor's of science in zoology. Tell me, what do you do as a senior scientist for the Geoscience Research Institute? You know, I wake up almost every morning and ask myself that question uh, as well. There, there are a wide variety of, of things that we engage in uh, at, the, at the Geoscience Research Institute. We do try to keep uh, current with our research. Um, uh, every now and again, I uh, still try to publish a scientific paper in the regular peer-reviewed uh, literature. Uh, and, uh, but in addition to that, I teach uh, classes um, uh, and uh, one of the interesting things is I can teach classes not just in the United States where, where we're located, but in other countries as well. So I, I teach a class at the Adventist International Institute for Advanced Studies in the Philippines and also for the Adventist University of Africa. And uh, I also have the opportunity to travel as a guest lecturer to various other universities, both Seventh-day Adventist universities, but also secular universities on occasion, and uh, universities uh, that are run by other Christian denominations. That is fabulous, and I am so glad that you've actually taken the time to come to Canada and uh, to teach in this classroom, a classroom that's broadcast all across the nation. Now, Dr. Standish, just as a point of reference, what is the geoscience? You talked about being current uh, in its study what is the Geoscience Research Institute dedicated to? What's its mission? Well, obviously, uh, our mission is ultimately to draw people to a saving uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Yes. At least that's my mission in life. Sure. Now, in addition to that, we want to shed light on um, uh, science and the way in which uh, scientific understandings of reality work with biblical revelation. Okay, very good. And, you know, there are a wealth of resources at the Geoscience Research Institute website. What's that website if somebody wants to go and visit uh, that, uh, that site and get to some of those resources? It's grisda.org. Very good. And there you can find articles and all kinds of resources. And our blog is uh, updated regularly. We put out blogs um, and you can get to those very easily through the website. And of course, we encourage people to um, 
uh, join us on Facebook as well. We have a, uh, interesting things coming out continually on, on our Facebook page. Fantastic. Now, Dr. Standish, we kind of left everybody on edge with last week's program. We had been talking about origins. Where are we from? And we left off with Paul at Mars Hill in a showdown with the Epicureans and the Stoics. Now, before we get to what happened there, maybe it's just a point of reference and a little bit of review. Who are these Epicurean philosophers and why are they important to this discussion on origins? The Epicurean philosophers were followers um, of a philosopher named Epicuros. And Epicuros had taken atomistic philosophy, the idea that change occurs um, around us as a result of atoms moving. Okay. Um, by, by their own volition. Not being guided by anything, it's just their nature to keep moving and, and rearranging themselves. And, he, and, and just, to, just to hit a pause button there, and that is originating with another philosopher. That's right, Democritus. Democritus. And so Epicurus is a, uh, maybe not a, is he a direct student of Democritus? Um, uh, he's more of a disciple okay. of Democritus. Okay, so this is the Epicureans are following on this line of thinking of atomists, yes. that atoms merely rearranged is how things come into being, yes. which in essence means there's nothing new in the universe. The universe is simply a constant rearrange, and I'm oversimplifying it, but a constant rearranging of atoms. Yes, it's just the nature of things. Okay. So let's talk more about these Epicureans. So they're, they're these descendants of Democritus and atomism. And, uh, and so what else are they believing? How are they, they explaining? They, they believe that the only way to, <clears throat> or the best way to get knowledge is through our senses. The only, the, the only reality is what we take in through our senses. That's why we associate them with hedonism, uh, with good food and good drink and the good life, <clears throat> which is, is what the, uh, the philosophers were seeking uh, to, to talk about. Um, they believed in avoiding pain and, um, and seeking pleasure. Okay. So let's now revisit then Mars Hill. Paul shows up at Mars, Hills, at Mars Hill and there are the Epicureans and there are the Stoics. And we'll come to the Stoics in just okay. a moment. Paul gets there, and, and many of us know the story. Paul shows up and he sees all these different altars built, and one in particular is built to the unknown God. They were covering all their bases. Yes. Yeah. And what happens now when Paul engages, and maybe even better to step back even a few, what's happening at Mars Hill with the Epicureans? and Why are they there at Mars Hill? What's happening amongst them? Well, apparently Mars Hill was the place where people met to discuss things. There were, there were two places um, in Athens. There was the Agora. That was the, the uh, marketplace. Okay. And this is where Paul is going around and seeing everything that's going on. But then the more serious discussions are going up uh, 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 on this sort of small hill above the Agora um, uh, called the Areopagus or Mars Hill. Okay. And um, 
this is where the scholars are. Mm -hmm. And they're discussing these different philosophical ideas. That's what Athens was all about. Yes. And uh, so they heard Paul making some arguments in the marketplace. And they asked, hey, what's this, what's this new idea this guy's talking about? And they invited him to come up and, and, and tell them in a, in a more formal kind of setting what his idea was. So he came up there and he took advantage of uh, what he had observed going on in that society. Now, it's pretty obvious to me that he understood what the Epicureans believed and he also understood what the Stoics believed because he also was a philosopher. He'd probably studied what these uh, philosophies were about. And the interesting thing to me is that he sort of came in at a point where they would have already been having discussions. Okay. And, and now is probably a good time to talk about the Stoics. Yeah, I was just going to say, so, so we talked about these Epicureans and what they believe and, the, and their dis being descendants of, uh, of, of atomism, but now we have the Stoics. Who are the Stoics? What do they believe? What, what are some important things to know about them? So you'll remember that the Stoics, they believed that everything just sort of happened by itself. There, was, there were no gods who were intervening Yes. things. The Stoics believed that God was kind of part of everything. Okay. Okay. Um, there are people today who, who have a similar way of thinking about things. They believed in something like the one, you know, that, that, that nature itself was sort of imbued with Godness. Okay. And that um, as a consequence of that, um, the, the things that we see going on were um, uh, part of the nature of that God that was, that was there. So they kind of believed in something like divine action, while the, Stoic, uh, while the Epicureans, I'm yes. sorry, did not. Okay, so the Epicureans, gods or God, not involved. Yes. They exist, but just not involved. Yes. Whereas the Stoics, God is not just involved, but kind of involved in everything, almost the very essence of God being in the plant, God being in the, uh, in the stone, so to speak. Yes, and certainly in the human. And, and in the and, human. And all the rest of it, yes. Okay. And so now Paul arrives on the scene where I'm sure these Epicureans and the Stoics are having a fascinating conversation of God being involved. No, God is not involved. And Paul arrives at this conversation. And, and, and you can see how he sort of jumps into the middle of it. There's one God, uh, the unknown God who is interested. There's one creator God, let's put it that way. And... Um, and, and so he's in this, he, he, he's making a connection with them by being part of that discussion. Now, what he's trying to lead them to is an understanding of this creator God. Mm -hmm. And that's where things get really interesting. He says that God, that creator God 
came down and became part of his creation. And you can sort of see the Epicureans being uncomfortable about that. Sure. Because they didn't believe that the gods had anything to do with the material world. They believed they were more safely dealt with by keeping them very distant. Yes. And you might see the Stoics sort of nodding knowingly a little bit, but it had some problems for them as well because that would mean that God was not part of his creation in the first place. And so this was beginning to blow the minds of both of these people. And then Paul brought up the unthinkable, that Jesus Christ died and was raised again. Okay. And that is when apparently bedlam broke out yes. uh, there. Because the, the Stoics, this, this was just mind-blowing for them. And for the Epicureans, it was mind-blowing too. The idea of, you know, obviously, you've got divine action there. Everything's wrong with this idea. They really struggled with it in both, uh, in, in both philosophical systems. So you have the Epicureans, of course, that are going to be incredibly uncomfortable with Jesus because the gods don't interact. Yeah. You have the Stoics that are also going to be very uncomfortable because God is interacting, but he's interacting not inside of the creation, but upon the creation or outside of the creation. And then even more mind-blowing is that this divine being dies and is resurrected. It just doesn't fit with their concept of what a God could possibly be. Now, why is that so important? I mean, why is, this, why is Paul's interaction there with the Epicureans, the Stoics, why is that so important and what does it have to do or how is it applicable to our question about origins? I think that uh, Paul really tells us himself. If you, if you look at a map of Athens, which is where Mars Hill is or the, where, where Paul was having this conversation, yes. and Corinth, you can see that they're actually quite close to each other. And the next city that Paul went to was Corinth. And he wrote a letter to the Corinthians and he tells them, when I first came to you, I made a determination. I decided that I would preach Jesus Christ and him crucified and nothing else. Yes. Um, this understanding that God not only is necessary to account for what we see around us, account for the origin of everything. Yes. But that that God who created all things loves us and was prepared to become part of his creation to redeem it is, is basically the gospel. Um, Jesus Christ came to save his creation. Mm -hmm. And that is the most wonderful news that's possible. The alternatives are in many respects almost unthinkable. If you're an Epicurean, you die and it's over. Yes. You live, you suffer, and you die. And there is nothing else. 
If you are a Stoic, you live, and then when you die, you return to being part of the big one whole thing. But, but there is no hope for the future in either of these philosophies. Now, you know, one of the things that people do commonly ask me is, why was that Epicurean philosophy so attractive? I mean, yes. you live and then you die. It was attractive because remember that the Greeks believed in an eternal burning hell. And, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I was just going to now ask you, because we're talking about origins, we've brought, G and not that we've brought Jesus into the picture, but Jesus enters the picture as we talk about origins and the saving of humanity. Yes. And we have science and philosophy that seem to want to venture away and then you've said something now that's very interesting to me. The Epicureans, the Stoics, were all familiar with Greek philosophy and, uh, and, and mythology that the end of some is an eternal burning hell. Yes. Now, are there any modern scientists or modern philosophers that have expressed, and when I say modern, I mean more modern than, you know, 2,000 years ago, who have expressed discomfort with this idea of an eternal burning hell and maybe led them to draw different conclusions about origins than what the most uh, self-explanatory reason for origins might be. Yes. Uh, I mean, this, this, this has been something that people have struggled with for a very, very long time. Uh, imagine believing that you face burning in hell forever um, because you're going to be judged after you die and not having a savior. See, that's the fabulous thing about Christianity. Yes. It's almost an unthinkable thought that there's, there's hellfire mm -hmm. for us. Um, I think most people know deep down inside that they are not naturally that good. And um, if you're trying to earn your way into heaven or, or alternatively, you know that you've done something terrible, you can never make it right. Then the only, and, and the only out possible outcome for you is eternal burning hell. Any alternative is going to be attractive. So I, I actually um, uh, noticed this first in the writings of Charles Darwin. Now you've got to remember, Charles Darwin trained as a theologian. Yes. He was being trained to become a priest, um, <clears throat> which is... Uh, uh, um, something that most people don't know. Most people think, oh, he was trained as a scientist. No. no. Um, although um, the priests uh, were trained in the natural sciences yes. at that time. So he, he did get some uh, reasonable training along those lines. But I want you to listen to this uh, that he wrote in his autobiography. Imagine Darwin as an old man. Yes. And he is telling his children and his grandchildren, this is how I came to 
my convictions about things. And he's arguing about Christianity. He says, I can hardly see how anyone ought to wish Christianity to be true. For if so, the plain language of the text, he's talking about the Bible here, seems to show that the men who do not believe, and this would include my father, brother, and almost all of my friends, will be everlasting punished. And this is a damnable doctrine. Wow. Darwin seems to inherit this understanding that if God is kind of poised in heaven, waiting to destroy eternally, to punish eternally those who don't believe, it almost seems, and I want to be careful because I, I, you know, I don't want to judge Darwin entirely, but it almost seems that this idea possibly drove Darwin to some of the conclusions that he came to. Well, it certainly uh, was a motivator. And I think that that's, that's undeniable when you look at, at what he wrote and, 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 and the things that, that he argued for. In many respects, what he is making is not a scientific argument. It's a theological argument. You know what the sad thing is about this particular quotation that I gave to you? is how completely it ignores the Bible's offer of salvation. Yes. Um, yes, it warns us that there is punishment for the wicked, but it also tells us that salvation has been won, and it's not a matter of works. None of us can win our own salvation. We're all born evil. Um, We all know that deep down inside. Uh, We know we're not perfect and we know we can't be perfect. And that's why we need the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And Dr. Standish, as we are running out of time and wrapping things up here, this is astounding. We've asked the question, where do we come from? Where are we from? We've seen this issue of origins, and we're going to continue this conversation because I think there's more that we need to talk about here. We've kind of unpacked a package that maybe needs a little bit more uh, explanation. But what a fascinating and wonderful thing it is to know that not only did God create us, but God has redeemed us. And that is a tremendous message Dr. Standish, I'm going to give you the last word here for a few, just a few seconds. The Bible talks about a new creation. We become new creatures in Jesus Christ. God is going to make all things new. And that is what makes the origins question so crucial because it informs what is going to happen in the future. Dr. Standish, thank you so much for this beautiful outline of not only where are we from, but also where we are going.
Friend, I hope you've enjoyed the program today, and I'm sure that this program has generated more questions, and you want to dig deeper and understand. And so today I want to offer you a book entitled Beyond Imagination. The book was authored by Dr. James Gibson, the director of the Geoscience Research Institute. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.ItIsWrittenCanada.ca That's www.ItIsWrittenCanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. And thank you for your prayer requests and your generous financial support. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. Dr. Standish, I want to thank you again for such an insightful discussion on where we've come from. Well, it's certainly the most interesting thing out there. We could obviously talk a lot more about it, and I look forward to being back with you next week. Absolutely. We will talk more about it next week. Friend, I want to encourage you to tune in next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.